I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time another drive to work. Okay, so last time we met, uh, I was talking about the design of Dominaria, but I didn't finish because there's much to the story. Okay, so last we, uh, I, I was talking, we had talked about how the theme of history um, that we were trying to, that one of the big challenges of Dominaria was it took place in so many different sets and so many different themes, and we wanted to have one unified sort of feel to the world. So we came up with the idea that it was a world of history, a world uh, where the, the present is defined by its past. Uh, and the idea is that you see all these remnants of their past, but that there is a, a vibrant renewal as it sort of is growing and, and coming out of, of the past. That we like the idea of an, an optimistic world that despite all the many tragedies of the world that always came out, it always survived, it always kept on going. Um, so one of the things that we were definitely interested in was obviously figuring out how to play into the elements of hi- history, and we were interested in um, sort of tapping into the sense of, of vibrant renewal. Um, so one of the things, and, oh, and last time I talked about how we came up with the first version of, of historic, which was an ability word that said whenever you cast an artifact or a... Um, Whenever you cast an artifact or a legendary thing, that you um, g- generate an ability. It's kind of like, like constellation is for enchantments. Whenever you play one of these things, it triggers and something happens. Um, okay. Meanwhile, another thing that I wanted was I knew we wanted something old and something new. What I meant by that is um, we tend to have a returning mechanic. Normally, that's something we tend to do in sets. But going back to Dominaria, like we need to have a Dominarian mechanic. Like, I really felt like, not only should we reprint something, but we should print something that originally came from Dominaria. I, I felt pretty important about that. Um, I felt that was an important thing to do. Um, also, I wanted there to be something that was brand new. Like, this was the 25th anniversary, we're returning to our roots, and I kind of wanted to also have the theme of, look, Magic's going to keep, keep discovering new things. That, you know, yes, we're returning home, yes, there's nostalgia, but you know what? There's still innovations to be had. So one of my goals was, and so I knew that we had either three or four mechanics. I, I, my goal these days is to try to aim toward three, um, knowing that if we have, you know, we usually say there's three and a half mechanics per set these days, and that means there's three bigger mechanics, or if two of them are smaller, maybe two. Um, but the other thing that I knew, because we were doing um, historic, the character artifacts and legendary things, that there would be some artifact matters, there'd be some art, you know, there'd be some legendary matters, that there'd be a little bit of things playing up, especially legendary matters. Um, you know, one of the challenges that we had, I mean, I'll, I'll get into this a little later, is um, we were trying to sort of capture some of the stuff that Kamigawa had done in caring about legendaries in a way that didn't make some of the mistakes that Kamigawa did. Um, for those who don't remember, Kamigawa, all its rare creatures were legendary. Um, and we made some uncommon legendaries. Um, it's something we don't normally do, but we did during Kamigawa. We did during Dominaria. Um, and one of the reasons for that was that we were just trying to make it matter enough. But the as fan just wasn't high enough in Kamigawa. Like, if you just knew nothing about the set and opened packs, it would take you... 10 packs, maybe more, before you get, like, the inkling that maybe Legendaries is a theme that is there. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you can't 
in a, in a, just a handful of booster packs get the theme, your your theme is kind of not. That's not your theme. The, the line I've always said is, if your theme's not a common, it's not your theme. That's just the simplistic way of saying it. Um, really, the idea is, if your theme is not instantly available, if you can't get it quickly in, in a small number of packs, and normally the way to do that is common. Um, as you will see, we found we found some other ways to sort of reinforce the theme. Part of it is making the theme a little broader. Part of it is. Um, doing some technology we, we, we've done recently. But well, I'll, I'll get there. I'm, 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 I'm trying to go in order. Okay, so we needed an old mechanic. So what we did is we wrote down every mechanic that first appeared on a set that either was on Dominaria or was on um, Wrath because Wrath got overlaid with Dominaria. So um, we treated the Wrath sets like, well, Dominaria is where all the Wrath sets ended up. So I think that's like 33 sets. So it's like, okay... So we made a list, um, and what we found was uh, that the list, I, originally, like, oh, we have 33 different expansions, we're in good shape, we'll have no problem, this will be easy. Uh, did find a few problems. So number one is, in the early days, of which we're talking about, because that's when Dominaria was, was used the most, we were much uh, stingy, we were stingier about what got a, a keyword. Um, Magic, for example, in the early days... Um, uh, the way blocks used to work is you got two keywords for the whole block. You know, that like um, Tempest had uh, Buyback and um, Shadow. And Urza Saga had Cycling and Echo. Um, you know, Mirage had uh, Flinking and Phasing. These were just like, there were not, you know, you would evolve them over the course of the year. But some of the early years, like the whole year would have two mechanics. Like right now, a whole block can have as much as, you know, 8, 9, 10. Sometimes we've had ones with up to like 12. Like there's a lot of mechanics per year. Back then we just, we didn't name as many things with keywords. And we were, um, the, the nature of how we did it was just a little different. Also, our hit rate early on was just not as good as it's gotten. Um, we've gotten better at understanding mechanics. We've gotten better at knowing what will work and what, you know, like, as with anything, the more you do it, the, the more efficient you get at it. Um, we're much better the, I mean, not that our hit rate is perfect these days, but we have a higher hit rate with mechanics than we once did. So we go back and look at early stuff that, like, I, I was just naming some of them. Like phasing. <sighs> okay, phasing is complex, it's kind of confusing people, it has some rules built into it that are not necessarily, uh, in some ways, flickering became sort of a new phasing. So like we revamped how we did it. And if we were going to do phasing now, we'd use flickering technology, not old-school phasing technology. Um, flanking is an ability where um, it has a bonus, but it, it, it's self-referential to other things that have the bonus, because the flavor-wise, they were on horseback, I think. Um, and so the idea is, and it confused people. People didn't realize that my flankers only worked against non-flankers. Um, so like if we were going to do that mechanic again, we would just have it do its thing to anybody that blocked it, not just non-flankers. Um, Echo is a, uh, a drawback mechanic. Um, Echo is a drawback mechanic that, um, you know, you have to work around, that it, it literally is a drawback. Um, now, there's some clever things we did with it, especially during Time Spiral, but it, it is still inherently a drawback mechanic. Um, so, you know, the, um, it, that's not the kind of thing we tend to do. And anyway, as you go through the mechanics, what you find is, A... There's not as many mechanics as you think there would be based on just the lower volume of keyword mechanics. B, a lot of them, eh, 
aren't necessarily something we wanted to bring back. Um, there's a lot of early mechanics that are like, well, with tweaks and a new name. Now, normally in a normal set, I'm fine with tweaking something and bringing it back and giving it a new name. When we talk about return mechanics, I consider Devotion a returning mechanic in Theros, even though, okay, it's a little bit different from Chroma, but it really was us reskinning and re, you know, refining an existing mechanic. Um, I'm fine doing that. The problem was this was Dominaria, we were returning to our roots, that I really wanted a returning mechanic that, wa- that was the mechanic from the past. I didn't want a, a new version of an old mechanic. Um, and so, you know, the, the, there was that problem, um, that I didn't want to redo it. And, and also, the other issue was, so we boiled down to that there were three mechanics that I, I thought were like just strong, classic mechanics from the early days of Magic, things that we would want to revisit. Um, and that was Cycling, Flashback, and Kicker. Um, cycling first showed up in um, Urza Saga, though it got designed in Tempest, but we didn't use it in Tempest. So it first showed up in Urza Saga. Um, flashback first showed up in um, Odyssey. And um, uh, Kicker first showed up in Invasion. So all of these were from Dominarian um, sets. Um, the problem was Amiket. Um, Amiket had used cycling, straight up used cycling, and had made Aftermath, which was essentially flashback. I mean, it wasn't actually flashback from, from the name, but it was a flashback variant. Um, and I talked about earlier how flashback would have been a perfect matchup. Like, it's the history set. How about flashback? That, what says history more than flashback? But because of Amonkhet, we couldn't use Cycling, and we couldn't use Flashback. Which meant, hello, Kicker! Um, so we decided we'd use Kicker. I mean, this Kicker does some nice things. It's super flexible. It uses your mana. You know, Kicker Kicker's a, a solid mechanic. For, the, for those longtime listeners, know that my biggest issue with Kicker is I would have not made Kicker from the first place because it's so broad that it makes other mechanics feel like just Kicker. Um... But we've, re- we've readjusted Kicker a little bit. It's more reined in. Kicker now is, the way we use Kicker is, you can spend more to make the spell better. We, t- we tend to avoid extraneous second abilities. It's more like it has to tie into the card as a whole. You can make the card stronger if you spend the right, you know, if you spend mana, you can make the card stronger. Um, so we had Kicker in. Uh, now we wanted something new. Um, so one of the things that became really clear early on was the idea of representing stories. That this was a world of history, it was a world of stories. And not just the stories we made up for this world, stories that pre... I mean, we didn't make them up way back when, but stories that, that pre-existed in this world. There have been novels about them, there have been, in some cases, computer games and different things. You know, comic books. We've, we've done a lot of um, world building over the years. And a lot of it, especially in the early days, was on Dominaria. So we made use of all those early references um, to sort of... We wanted to have something that, that called back to those stories. Um, so I was really enamored with the idea of somehow having stories mean something. Early on, we were messing around with um, a bunch of different things. And then... Um, we hit upon the idea, so back when we made Planeswalkers, um, so in Future Sight, um, Matt Cavada came up with the idea that if Planeswalkers matter in the story, they needed to matter in the game. That players connected with cards 
And these were the things that we said mattered most, but they didn't exist on cards. Uh, and so we decided that we were going to make them. And for fun, we said, well, what if we introduce them in a future site as a future thing? And then, you know, the next set, there's some there. Um, so we originally were planning to do them in a future site. Uh, in fact, we were going to do three of them as future shifter cards. We were going to do black, blue, and green. So the proto versions of um, Jace, Liliana, and Garrick were in, were in the set originally. Um, we ended up not doing them in future site because we hadn't quite... We haven't quite figured out what we, like, we knew when we did it, we weren't at the quite the right version yet. So let me talk about the version we didn't do. So one of the earliest things we did, I knew early on, Richard Garfield had created something for Ravnica that we did not use um, called structures. And the idea was we were in a city world and structures were buildings or, you know, like actual structures that had an effect. And the way you got rid of them was they had a toughness, basically. Uh, well, they... You, sorry, they had a, not, not like a creature toughness, I mean, kind of like a creature toughness, but they had something that if you attacked it, you can knock them down. That they had sort of a, a amount of damage you needed to do to them with creatures to get rid of them. Um, so when we were coming up with Planeswalkers, I really liked that, so I borrowed that from, from Structures. Um, we then loved the idea that there was a sequence of things that were happening, that you were trying to build up to do something. We loved the idea that the Planeswalkers sort of worked their way up to something grandiose. So the early version we tried was they had three abilities. And the idea was, turn one, they would do the first ability. Turn two, they would do the second ability. Turn three, they would do the third ability. So for example, um, this, was, this was Garrick. So Garrick was uh, ability one, make a wolf. Make a 2-2 wolf. Ability number two was double the number of wolves you have. For every wolf you have, make another wolf. And the ability three was all wolves get plus two, plus two, and trample. So the idea was, turn one, he makes a wolf. Turn two, he makes a second wolf. Turn three, he boosts his wolf, which, you know, are powerful, but, but you know, not game-winning or anything. And then turn four, you go back to the first ability, now I make another wolf. Turn um, five, now I'm doubling the wolves, but this time, instead of doubling, I now have three wolves, so now I have six wolves. And then on the sixth turn, when I do plus two, plus oh, uh, sorry, plus two, plus two, and trample. Wow, six wolves, plus two, trample. Now that's, you know, and let's say somehow they survive through that, then I'm making another wolf on the seventh turn and doubling them again on the eighth turn and then attacking with a boost again on the ninth turn. So the idea was, you know, Garrick is at, at tune with the wild animals. He keeps going wolves, getting more and more wolves, and eventually you get overrun by wolves. So that sounded cool. That sounded like a neat card. Um, but then, uh, so the very first game I'm playing with Garrick... Um, or I'm not sure I'm... Somebody's playing with Garrick. Um, they, they cast the wolf. And their opponent shocks the wolf. They kill the wolf. So in their second turn, double all wolves. But there's no wolves, so doubling all wolves doesn't mean anything. So basically nothing happens. Then the third turn is all the wolves get plus two, plus two, and trample. But there's no wolves, so that doesn't mean anything. So again, nothing happens. And the note we got was, why is Garrick such an idiot? Like, okay, he made me a wolf, great. And then the wolf got killed. And then he just does things that don't make any sense. And, and the comment we got was they felt a little too much like robots, that they were pre-programmed, meaning they would just do dumb things for no reason other than that's what they were told to do. And it, it was said that they didn't have enough agency. Um, so what we later moved to, toward was a system where you had um, basically three abilities. Obviously, we've made ones with more than three. But you had three abilities. You could choose to do whatever ability you wanted, but some abilities... Um, 
we invented the idea of there's a costume which is for loyalty. And some abilities gain you in loyalty and some lower in loyalty. And that the third ability usually have what we call an ultimate. It required you building to get there, but then you could do something grandiose. Um, so it had the flavor that we liked of you get to do things every turn and there's a larger plan so that the character feels like they're building towards something, but it didn't have the lack of agency that the, 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 the system where it's locked in. Um, but one of the things we realized when we were talking about story is, well, the, 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 how story is different from people is, well, if I'm telling a story, well, chapter one is going to come first, and then chapter two is going to happen, then chapter three is going to happen. It's, it's going to go in a locked order. Um, and so I liked the idea that maybe we could use the original Planeswalker template as a means by which we could um, represent stories. And the idea that I liked a lot was um, that, you, that you, the players in the game, were kind of living through the story. The stories would represent things. Now, we always knew that we would eventually, once we were, like I often talk about, it, vision design is sort of making the tools that set design is going to use to build. And so what I wanted to do was figure out how sagas needed to work and then let set design, um, we, we knew when we were building stuff that we were more sampling what we were doing and that part of actually making them when they were done is figuring out the real stories we wanted to tell. Well, we want to tell the, the story of the Antiquities War. We want to tell the story of the Ice Age. We want to tell the story of the Frexian Invasion and Bolas uh, resurrecting. And, you know, we, there, there's actual stories we'd want to tell from, from Dominaria. Um, but right now, we were just kind of trying to prove it. So one of the things I did is I said to the team members, okay, here's the basic gist of what we want. Um, there are some number of, of turns, and you can pick whatever you want, um, and things happen, um, and you know we, we, we want to tell a story. The, the goal of this is to tell a story. So Richard went home, and Richard obviously has a lot of um, prototyping stuff that he uses to make his games. So Richard came back, um, and if you've seen the, uh, we shot, uh, actually, we shot one video that turned into two videos. Um, the first video is me and Richard talking about the sagas, and we show some of Richard's sagas. Uh, and then the second one, I think we're actually, I think we showed them in the first one, in passing. And the second one, the second video, we're walking through some of the ones he made. Um, so Richard really took this, uh, was really, uh, lo- loved this idea, and he came back and really sort of designed some interesting, flavorful... Um, so the technology that Richard introduced was the idea that um, one of our concerns was space. How, how exactly do all these things happen, but you still have room to, to, to explain it on the card and room for art, because we knew we needed art. Um, so what happened was Richard came up with the idea of using icons. So the idea was, so to take the, the wolf, um, you know, you would have an icon that showed a wolf. And down below, it would say, make a wolf. And then another icon that showed a wolf, make a wolf. And then there's an icon that showed two wolves, make two wolves. It showed wolf, wolf. And that means make two wolves. And then in the end, there's like, um, I think you sacrifice all the wolves at the end. So like, wolf, 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 make a lot of wolf, make a wolf, and then all the wolves go away. Um, and it was like the, the hunter hunting the wolves or something. Um, and the idea of the little icons meant that, oh, maybe, and then... Once we had icons that really communicated the idea of maybe one of the ways to save space is there could be some duplication of effects on the cards. Um, and originally when we were designing, so, um, and Richard came up with a lot of, of also like 
different kinds of ways we can explore. Um, the, the approach that Richard took was really think of it like a board game, that you're advancing on a board game and the different spaces told you what to do. Um, and so in Vision, we ended up coming up with two, we ended up doing four and six were the two we did. Um, I think in the end we handed over just fours with the, the note of maybe if you want something that's more grandiose and longer, you could do six. Um, obviously, set design ended up changing it over to three because four was a little bit too much. Um, the one other thing we did in Vision that uh, ended up going away in set design is in our version, at the beginning of every turn, um, or whenever you paid, I forget what it was, three, I think, meaning you could advance the story with mana rather than just time. Um, and the reason we did that is, A, we had longer ones. They were four. And we wanted to make sure if you played a later game, you can make them happen. And so the, the, the idea was you could sort of hurry the story along by, by spending mana. Um, in set design, they decided the four was too much. They knocked down to three. Um, and they decided not to do, um, not to do the mana to, to advance it. Um, that, that, that they felt it was made it a little busy and it just wasn't happening enough. Not enough people were spending mana to, to advance it. Um, one of the things set design did is they moved it from beginning of turn till after your draw. Um, Dave Humphreys, who's the set lead designer, really felt that it was important that you got knowledge of what was happening this turn before you committed to, to what was going on. He liked the fact that you, you drew your cards so you, you, you could sort of plan your turn out and that planning that turn included this happening rather than it happening just before anything goes on. Um, the other big thing that happened in set design was we sort of handed over this idea with a lot of loose, like, like I, some of the ideas we had early on based on some of Richard's stuff was like, the art was underneath the whole card and there was like a, sort of a, a trail on top of the card that represented stuff with icons and bottom and bottom and it had a legend that explained the icons. Um, in the end, they decided that um, that was better of duplicating the efforts and the reason you, instead of an icon, you just would have these chapter icons that, that were one, two, and three. And so if, if you did the same thing more than one turn, the box would change so that it, it would just say one and two were the same box. So you, oh, do this, then do this. Um, so James, um, our graphic designer, um, spent a lot of time and energy trying to figure out a lot of different ways to do this. Um, meanwhile, there's an idea that came up during Vision that the art design, the art team really latched onto, which was the idea of showing the history of the world through the art of the world itself. And so, one of the things about sagas is once we knew we wanted, we wanted sagas to look different. We, we, the treatment we really liked was that, you know, if we're going to tell the history of Benalia, well, how would Benalia tell its own history? Oh, well, maybe it's stained glass because it's. You know, there's a lot of religion there, and the churches are a big deal. So maybe it would tell its story through stained glass. But maybe somebody else is telling its story through a painting or through, you know, like the, we found different ways in which this is the story of the world, but told through the art, in-world art of Dominaria, which we thought was a really cool idea, and it ended up being very neat. Also, in the way the cards ended up getting laid out, we did this vertical layout so that the, the sagas had this a very distinctive look in the way that they happen, and the, um, it'll... Art in general is more long than it is wide. I mean, it can be wide, but it, it just presented itself well to sort of making really impressive-looking art stuff. Um, so, so that is how we got to sagas. Um, and like I said, I, I the set design did a lot of wonderful sort of evolutionary stuff with it. 
Um, but I was really happy that the, the basic essence of what we were doing is something that Vision came up with and just followed through the, through the whole whole process. Um, okay, but wait, we were not done yet. So we had sagas. The interesting thing about sagas, by the way, for as different as they are, never had any people worry about sagas. There never really complaints about sagas. Um, there was always talk about how to do it, and there was a lot of tweaking, and there's a lot of work spent into making them the best thing they could be and finding the right stories and stuff. But uh, nowhere in the process, anyone was like, we should get rid of sagas. Everybody likes sagas. The problem child ended up being um, uh, historic. So kicker is fine, no problem kicker. Sagas fine, no problem sagas. Historic, okay, historic had a couple problems. Number one was, because it was a cash trigger, really what it wanted you to do was play a lot of cheap of this thing. And it turns out that legends aren't that cheap and artifacts can be very cheap. So instead of making you play a very legendary rich deck, it was making you play a cheap artifact deck. And like, well, I mean, not that we don't mind you. We want you to have some artifacts, but, you know, oh. Uh, so one of the ideas that got pitched forward was, well, maybe we just take artifacts out. Maybe historic is just legendary. Um, so now we get to the Kamigawa problem. So one of the things about Kamigawa is that there are just some inherent problems with legendary as a theme. One is it skews higher in rarity. We don't want to make common legendary cards. It fights the nature of what legendary means. It means they're unique and they're different and they're, they're one of a kind. Well, if they're common, they don't, you know, I mean, we stretch them a little bit to get them uncommon and even then we're kind of making rare feeling cards that are uncommon, you know. So it's, it, you have Azfan problems. Number two is you have a, 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 a convert a mana cost problem. Legendaries tend to be more expensive. They tend to be bigger. And so if you build a deck of nothing but legendary things, you, your early drops, you, you, you don't have what you need to make it work. Um, also, when you play legendary things, they tend to push in colors. You tend to need to go to, toward more colors. And legendary things don't tend to be good at helping you get toward more colors. Um, also, there was just the... Um, I mean, there, there, there is... Most of what we found out from Kamigawa is that legendaries as a theme in a vacuum by itself just has a lot of gaping holes because of the nature of what is... Um, of what, what they are. And the nice thing about artifacts, one of the reasons I really liked artifacts was it did a great job of filling in the things where legendaries fall down. Um, legendaries can't be common. Artifacts can. Um, legendaries tend to be more expensive. Artifacts can be cheaper. Um, legendaries tend to be lots of colors. Artifacts are great at fixing color. You know, there's a lot of synergy between the two. Um, so we had to solve the problem of how do we make sure that you're not just playing cheap artifacts? Uh, so that was a mechanical problem. And then we had the flavor problem was people weren't getting it. That we were, you know, it was saying historic and italics, M dash, and then whenever you play an artifact or um, legendary thing, do blah, blah, blah. And people weren't getting, like, why? Why artifact and legendary? They, they weren't getting the flavor. And what we found was that this is when I did some research and, and talked to a lot of people. People tend to skip over ability words. I mean, they use them when they talk about the cards, but when you're first learning a card, you kind of learn to skip over things in italics, and that, if you know anything about magic, the ability word doesn't, is not really necessary to understand the card. So people tend to gloss over it. So what we found was people weren't getting the flavor because they were kind of glossing over it. So um, we kept tweaking things over time. We were trying to find effects that made you want to play... Like, one of the things we did is with the... Um, 
the cast trigger version of historic was trying to get more effects that you would want to use on legendary creatures. So like, yeah, you might want some cheap artifacts to trigger it, but you need some legendaries to make it relevant, to make to make it work. And so we we try to tweak it that way. And I did a bunch of things of rejiggering and messing with words and. Um, but anyway, nothing was quite, neither problem was quite getting solved. And so, um, Bill, the, the, the there's a, Bill's the VP, Bill Rose is the VP of R&D. Bill has a meeting, uh, maybe, it, it, there are constant meetings, but it would happen four times a year maybe that you would meet for any one set. Um, so I had to present to Bill, and Bill was like, I hear a lot of problems with Historic, um, let's get rid of it. And I'm like, no, 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 Bill, look, this is the glue that holds the things together. There's a lot of component pieces to it. We want history as a theme. History is tricky, but this is the thing that's pulling all the elements together. Um, Oh, by the way, at the time, sagas were also legendary at the time. Um, That's important. I'll get to that in a second. Um, So sagas were legendary. So when we said um, caring about artifacts and legendary things, it cared about sagas because sagas were legendary Um, because we wanted the stories obviously part of the history. Um, so Bill said, um, let's pull it from the set. And I made an impassioned plea. I'm like, Bill, this is doing really important work. It, it is the bearing wall in my artifact, I'm sorry, my architecture metaphor. Um, the, the, everything's built around this. I mean, this is not the splashy part of the set. That's sagas. It's not the nostalgia part of the set, as, as, you know, necessarily. That's more um, individual car designs and kicker. But it is the glue. It is holding everything together. And so Bill said to me, okay, Mark, I will give you, I think he gave me six weeks or something. I will give you six weeks to prove to me, you know, solve these problems or it's going out of the set. Um, and so I worked, so I, Kelly Diggs was, the, was doing the concept and the story part for creative and Mark Winters was doing the art. So I worked with the two of them uh, to try to prove the concept and solve some of the problems. Um, one of the things I did was there's talk about, is it resonant? So I worked hard to, to make a bunch of cards that sort of said, here is how history is resonant as a theme. I found archetypes that were history mattered. Um, I then spent a lot of time sort of making cards and showing them to people and then taking notes. And one of my big things was I was trying to figure out how to get people to get the flavor. Um, one of the things I did is I read some um, something interesting uh, psychology thing about how people treat batches of two differently than batches of three. Uh, that if I say um, peanuts and almonds, most people are like, oh, okay, peanuts and almonds. But if I say peanuts, almonds, and cashews, most people go, oh, oh, nuts. That for some reason, three is where the trigger response where you think of it as a group, where two, you just think of it as like two things. Um, so I was determined to have a third thing. So uh, I think I put planeswalker uh, I tried Planeswalker, uh, it's artifacts, uh, legendary things, or Planeswalkers, but then we changed the rules so Planeswalkers became legendary. Uh, okay, so I didn't need to do that. Uh, and then uh, I came up with the idea of what if we reference Saga specifically? Um, because, you know, one of the things I always liked was it is, you know, the, the people, the things, and the stories of the past. That's what history is. Um, meanwhile, um, Dave, Dave Humphreys, because we were in set design at the time, was um, there were some of the um, there were some of the sagas that you wanted to actually be able to play multiples of, and he's like, when I mentioned the idea that maybe I was thinking of putting sagas, there, he goes, oh, well, if you do that, I can make them not legendary. That'd be good. I, I 
there's some issues with them being legendary. People people are forgetting that they're legendary. That even though the fact that they represented a story made sense, and some people people were like, "Well, it's a story," but multiple people can tell the same story. Like it didn't wasn't ringing to people. It was supposed to be legendary. So anyway, I changed it to make it um, three things. So it's artifacts, um, legendary things, and sagas. Um, I messed with the words. I did a lot of fiddling and. One of the things I eventually realized was the problem I was running into was that people were skipping over the ability word. What I needed to do is have a vocabulary word they couldn't skip over. So I tried something a little new, which is um, I just said, okay, what if... So, so um, Joyra was a card that, that said, whenever you cast an artifact or a legendary thing, or no, a saga, uh, draw a card. So I said, okay, what if I just put the vocabulary word in people's faces? What if I said, whenever you draw a historic card, uh, so whenever you cast a historic, a historic spell, draw a card. And then I said, and then I would in reminder text after tell you what that means. But the idea is I would start by giving you the word so you had no choice but to like, like you couldn't process the sentence without trying to understand the flavor. Um, and what I found was when I did this, people responded like, what would happen is people would read the card, they go, okay, whenever we get a historic spell, and they go, what's a historic spell? Okay, I better keep, I better keep reading. I want to learn what a historic spell. And then it would say, an historic spell is an artifact, a legendary thing, or a saga. And they go, oh, okay, that makes sense. And so, rather than people like, like before, when it was like, what do these two things have to have in common? When I sort of got the word in front of them, I got the concept in front of them, um, and then explained it later, um, it worked. Now, the problem was this wasn't something we had ever done before. This was, um, so I, 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 we ended up uh, getting a term for this in R&D, what we call batching. And the idea is I'm going to connect things you already know, but I'm going to give it a name, a word, so that I can shorthand it in the rules thing. And then I, in reminder text, I just tell you what you need to know to know it. But once you learn what it is, you now can skip the reminder text and just go, oh, I get it. I understand what a historic card is. Um, now, the other big thing once we made this change is once we were um, using the word, we, were no, we weren't tied down to the structure we had before. Originally, when it was an ability word, it had to work the same on every card. At least the input had to be the same so we could ability word it. Usually, ability words, either all the input has to be the same, all the output has to be the same, or, or both can be the same. Um, once I did that, I now could say, oh, well, go get a historic card out of your library or tutor for a, a historic card. Or I can now reference it. I now could, it now became a terminology that became vocabulary rather than sort of a locked ability word. And that let me solve Dave's problem, the mechanical problem. Uh, it's not really Dave's problem. Dave, Dave was the one that kept reminding me that we needed to be fixed. Um, and so that allowed us to make a lot of different things. And so we, um, it, it um, so anyway, historic, um, it, so it essentially, people were now understanding it. Um, it was making it a little easier for people to get the flavor. And um, it was, um, mechanically gave us more flexibility. So it was solving some of the mechanical issues we had. Um, and so um, I went to Bill and I explained... Um, all the stuff we had done, I had shown it around, I had really good feedback from around the, around the offices, people were understanding it, they were enjoying it, they were liking it, it was flavorful, and Bill said no, he didn't think it was working. Um, and I was tasked with finding an alternate for, 
for um, Historic. Um, and the problem was that um, when you build around something, like when you take something and you put it at the center of your design and you build around to make it, like when it's the glue, when you take the glue out, it is such a weird thing you're trying to solve that trying to replace it is just near impossible. Um, it's one of the reasons that I fought so hard to keep it was it was doing really good work and filling in a lot of gaps and it wasn't something where we can just fill in it. Like, if you just said, well, we'll just care about legendary things and there's all these problems about caring about legendary things. Um, so anyway, um, I'm at work. So um, we're, we're going to stop here. So I go to Bill. I say, I've got it. I've cracked it. I've solved it. And Bill goes, no. We'll pick up next time. Uh, so anyway, uh, I hope you guys uh, are enjoying the, uh, the podcast so far on Dominaria. Um, but anyway, I'm now at work. So we all know what that means. And this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. See you next time.